Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, technician sports editor Camden Spate. I'm assistant sports editor Jay Cacavaro. And I'm technician's video editor Jalen Harrington. So uh, earlier in the week, we posted the um, what we called the non-football episode. Uh, today, we're going to cover football. If you want to listen to other NC State sports on this podcast, make sure to check that out. In the future, hopefully, we'll be doing twice a week as well. But today, we're going to talk about NC State football. But before we do that, like we start every podcast, we're going to talk about something else from the sports world. Today, we're going to talk about a very hot topic that's been pretty much everywhere and has had a lot of turns. We're going to talk about Antonio Brown and basically what's going on. He, there's something with a helmet. There was, he got like traded twice. I don't know what's happening, but, um, a new development today in sexual assault. So there's a lot of things happening, but we're going to go ahead and first get the take on the original part of him going to the Raiders and then kind of blowing up there with his foot and his helmet. Jalen, do you want to start us off with this? Yeah. Um, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Um, I don't like to call players cancer, right? But Antonio Brown is the dictionary definition of locker room cancer. I mean, he is a horrible teammate. Um, and now we're finding out he might not be so great of a person. Um, he's just a guy that you do not want on your team because everything is me, me, me all of the time. And we're seeing the fruits of that now that he's gone to the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, to to recap, what happened basically is he had a falling out with the Steelers, didn't show up for their last game, so the Steelers traded him to the Raiders. Then over the offseason, everything was kind of quiet, heading into training camp. Story came out that he had an issue with his foot. He wasn't practicing. Came to find out it was frostbite on his foot, which he got in the middle of July. Yeah, what a weird story that was. <laughs> yeah, he went into a cryotherapy chamber without proper protection, so like, that happened. Um, then he wanted to sit out games or sit out practices because basically what happens is the NFL has a helmet policy where the helmet has to be approved within the last 10 years. It has to be a model that, so now it's since it's 2011 forward. His was from 2010. Um, so that didn't go over well with him. He wasn't allowed to wear his helmet that apparently he's been wearing his whole year. Uh, he was drafted in 2010. Then so. he spray painted his helmet, right? Yes. Uh, he, <laughs> he tried, tried to, to pass it off as a... A helmet that was allowed to be used by spray painting it? Yes, probably not the brightest idea. Um, ended up having a falling out with the Raiders, demanded his release. The Raiders released him. Hours later, the Patriots signed him. And here we are last night. A report comes out alleging that he sexually assaulted one of his old personal trainers. And he is currently under investigation on that. Um, I'm not going to do much speculating into that because... We don't have any details of that at all. Yeah. But that's basically the story that has happened. Um, and he practiced with the Patriots today. So it looks like he may be on the team until details come out. I'm not sure. The NFL Tuesday is meeting with the person who accused Antonio Brown um, to talk with her. So we'll have to see what goes on with that. What a weird just turn of events. Just following that in the last couple of months with the whole Raiders thing, him posting things on social media, just like weird videos. Like, how is this guy not happy with where he's at? He has a chance to be one of the, you know, greatest receivers really of all time. And he's, you know, not playing first because he's not getting enough money. And then because he doesn't like his teammates or whatever. And then it's because he can't use his helmet. And like, there's just so many things that I just don't understand. And I feel like, 
he should be playing because he has a chance to really, you know, be this great all-time player. And, you know, now things have taken a turn and it just doesn't look good for him. Yeah, I mean, it's just a classic diva issue of even though he's got so much going for him and he works, by all accounts, he's a great worker. You know, he's a great football player, but he can't seem to get out of his own way. And it's just sad. Well, I personally subscribe to the theory that he didn't want to go to the Raiders. He's been he's been in love with the Patriots for a couple years. He always comments on Tom Brady's social media posts, always talks about Bill Belichick. And I subscribe to the theory that, honestly, he forced his way out of Oakland, did whatever he had to do. That's why things kept escalating. Yeah. It was like it would be like, okay, well, the Raiders are finally okay with this one thing. He's good to go. Oh, wait, there's a new thing. I think he wanted out of Oakland, and I don't think it's a coincidence that – I don't think it was more than three hours after he was released, he signed with the Patriots. You don't just, that yeah. conversation, the contract negotiations, that doesn't just happen in three hours. And the video of him celebrating his release. He's like running around his yard. He's like jumping up and down. He calls his mom, I think. Like, like he's celebrating his release from Oakland. It just, it seemed like he was happy going there in, at the beginning. And then it just, after that, it just all tore down and he's, you know, just obviously didn't want to be there. So, uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with him in the next week and with the Patriots and all that. But Business is booming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, we're going to go ahead and move to NC State football. So they're coming off two wins now against East Carolina and then Western Carolina. Um, Jalen, first, you called the, the shutout, 41 to nothing. <laughs> you called it on last week's podcast. Um, you know, that was, that was a pretty good call there, but... How did they play? The score looks good. Western yeah. Carolina is not a great team. How yeah. do you think they really played? Um, it's probably a, a B effort, I'd say. You know, the defense showed out. This defense showed up. They did what they do, um, and that was a shutout. Um, on the offensive side, you know, they put up forty-one. They should have put. They should have put up much more. You know, um, Matt McKay is struggling with his deep ball, and for the whole first quarter, I mean, they only had a field goal. You know, yeah. that's not acceptable. That first quarter was was pretty rough for a while. Yeah, yeah. And you saw in the second quarter, I mean, the play calling changed. You know, they said, all right, Matt can't pass. We're going to run, run, run. We're going to run it down their throats. And then you saw them explode for 21 more points. And that's what NC State is going to have to be this year. It was a big game from the running game because with, with Knight and Houston – and who else is the other one? Person. Person, yeah. Mm-hmm. Person, I forgot what person. And even but, Dabs. Dabs got yeah, what? Dabs, nine yeah, carries? There was yeah. a lot of Dabs yards? action at the end of yeah. the game. I was really happy dabbing. to see that. When there's Dabs action, you love to, you know you're up. You know you're up <laughs> yeah. by a lot. But um, so the running game was good. The defense was good. McKay needs to work on, seems to needs to work on his deep ball. What about the receiving core without CJ Riley? Um, they're looking for that vertical threat. You know, CJ was going to be the guy that could take the top off of the defense, and they don't have that anymore. You know, Amezi isn't a real burner. Um, neither is Thayer. Tabari is kind of shifty, but he's a slot player. So, you know, we saw last week uh, a new number 19 was out at wide receiver for the Wolfpack, Cecil Powell, yeah. who is one of the fastest players on the team. He's a defensive player, but they're going to try and put him out there and see if he can fill that role that CJ was in. And I think it's interesting that C.J. Riley, their tallest main guy, main go-to target, goes down. And all of a sudden they go from game one against ECU, Dylan Ottenreath and Kerry Angeline combined for one reception. Game two against, West, against Western Carolina, they go for seven receptions, I think like 87 yards. Angeline caught a touchdown. I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence. Like I think once Riley went down, and I, I'm not sold on Devin Carter, and I don't think the coaching staff is either yet, 
I think he will be eventually, but right now, and I think if they're going to go have that bigger, taller target, that red zone threat, now obviously the tight ends can't stretch the field vertically the way that C.J. Riley could, but I, I think you'll see more of the tight ends going forward, especially more than NC State historically doesn't throw to tight ends very much. Right, and another thing the tight ends offer is a big, safe target for Matt. So he can kind of throw it up to Kerry, and Kerry can go and get it. And that's going to be another thing that helps him out this year. All right, so moving on from last week, let's talk about this coming week. Going to West Virginia, both of you guys will be there, so that'll be a really interesting game. It doesn't look like West Virginia's you know, playing that well. Their stats definitely don't show it. Their scores definitely don't show it. Um, how do you, do you think that NC State really jumps on them to start the game? Because it seems like they should win this one pretty easily. I think what you're going to see this week is we know NC State is good, right? How good are they, right? So a team as bad as West Virginia, you know, this should not be a close game. They should jump on them from the start. I don't care that it's away. They should jump on them from the start, and the game should never be in doubt, right? If the game's in doubt, then we understand, okay, it's going to be a rebuild. NC State's not that good this year. But if they perform like they should perform, I mean, we're going to be really impressed with how this crew is. And I think it's just a simple, it's just in general, just a complete mismatch. Like NC State's averaging over 250 rushing yards per game. West Virginia's letting up over 200 rushing yards per game. It's, they're going to run it down their throats. There's going to be big plays. There's going to be grinded out drives. But you're going to see, just like you saw last week, you're going to see tons of Zonovan Knight, tons of Ricky Person, and tons of Jordan Houston. And uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if McKay doesn't throw more than maybe 20 times. Like I, I think going into this, the coaching staff is looking at the game like, hey, we don't need Matt McKay to throw very much. Let's limit his passing attempts. Because if he's only throwing 20 times or less, it means the rushing attack's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Right. Like you're saying, I mean, this is a change from the past. This isn't Ryan Finley. You know, they're not throwing 35, 40 times a game. This is different now. You know, they run and then they pass to set up the run. You know, you when you have three backs as good as those three, why would you even want to pass the ball? You know, that's how state's offensive coordinators have to think going forward. It seems like the first two games, obviously, East Carolina, Western Carolina, not really opponents that we would expect to have trouble with. West Virginia is not playing well. We have Ball State the week after. It seems like we we're really not going to know what this team is until after the Ball State game. Uh, you can tell a little bit by how much teams beat up on the little guys. But really, you know, until ACC play starts and they go to a Florida State team that's currently reeling, you're not going to know what you have. I mean... I don't think they should have trouble with West or not West Virginia with Florida State, but you know Willie Taggart has a lot of talent on that roster, and I could see it being a problem. And I think, honestly, I think this week it's against a bad West Virginia team, but historically on the road against an inferior opponent is not a strength for NC State, and I think it'll be telling how they come out of the gates. I expect them to finish strong regardless, but if they come out of the gates slow, if they kind of struggle early on. I think you'll see that as a harbinger of what could happen against the good teams. But if they come out, if they score opening drive, if they get up 14-0 early and they have they have no fear, because Morgantown's a tough place to play at, even when West Virginia is bad. If they come out early, it's a noon game, which NC State is good in historically recently. I, th- I think the first, I want to say the first quarter, first maybe 20 minutes of the game is what I want to see with how this team is different than in years past, or if this team is what we thought it was going into the season where they'll beat the bad teams and we'll probably lose to the good teams. And for me, it's not just going to be the first half. Um, 
Last year, NC State had a problem of getting up on teams and allowing them to stay in the game late. Right, so a game Wake like, Forest example, yeah, exactly. Big Wake Forest, <laughs> Wake example. Forest last year, also Boston College, which we, they won without AJ Dillon. That yes. was that was. I felt like that one felt even worse when I was watching it because they're up by it so much. It exactly. Like. Yeah. No. Um. So NC State really needs to learn to put their foot on the throat and keep stepping even when they're up. You know, they can't beat West Virginia by just seven points. This should be a blowout. It needs to be a blowout. And we get both Boston College and Wake this year, so I'm very excited yep. for that. That'll Boston be a fun Braves. game. Back to back, <laughs> I think, right? So, you, Jalen, you wrote earlier in the week that this defense could be Doran's best defense. One, one of, one of. Okay, okay, one, one of. of, one of the best. That's fair. Yeah. He's only been here so many years. I mean, they're all seven, one of, seven but. years. Yeah, I mean, you probably put him up against the last Bradley Chubb defense, I'd say, and it's not just because of one particular unit. It's all three. You know, every unit so far is looking very solid. And that means that now, you know, when your secondary can cover, your blitzes can get there. When your blitzes get there, your secondary can create turnovers. You know, it all, every unit feeds each other. So I think that because of the balance and the depth that they have everywhere, this is probably Doran's second best defense he's had since he's been here. And you're just basing that off of a win against East Carolina and a shutout to Western Carolina? Like, that doesn't seem like a sample size to really say that yet. Uh, Probably not. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be honest. You know, I really like what I've seen from this defense, and I also want to point out, never before has a Dave Doran team not allowed a touchdown through two games. You know, that is important. Like I said, how you beat up the little teams does make a difference. You know, I'm not going to say that they're going to hold Clemson in no touchdowns, right? But what I'm saying That'd is... That'd be wild. <laughs> <laughs> right, but what I'm saying is this defense looks to be a step ahead of some of the past defenses NC State has had. I'll add something real quick. I think it is because of one position group. I think it's because so far they have defensive backs who look like they've played football before. And even with the Bradley Chubb years, it, the passing game killed them all the time. It, yeah. it, it, Chubb and that group, they were able to put up big numbers on the defensive line because they were good, but also because they were able to pin their ears back and rush a passer every single time because teams knew if they, they could throw the ball 40 times against NC State's defense successfully because the defensive backs were an issue yeah. all the time. And we looked at those stats throughout the year and we're like NC State's like ranked like dead last yeah. in pass defense. It's like how is how is a a program that should be this good that's you know at some points ranked that bad in pass defense. Yeah, and I mean I agree that the secondary is what's made the difference, but even still, you know, the secondary is not great. They're an ACC secondary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they are just what they should be for this caliber of competition. And it's allowing everybody else to do their job. So we have notes on here about the ACC Atlantic. And I want to talk about that just a little bit because it seems like the Atlantic is is pretty weak this, this year. And, you know, it's kind of been a trend the last couple of years. But how where is NC State ranked in the ACC Atlantic? And even going to the Coastal, like how many teams in the Coastal can really compete with NC State? Um, they've got to be number two in the Atlantic, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you have Syracuse, who just got blown out by Maryland. Blown out. I mean, you can lose that game, but a blowout? But at least they played a Power 5 school. They did, and NC State's about to, so we'll find out. But even if, you know, you say, okay, Syracuse, I still give them the edge, Florida State has so much more talent on their roster than NC State does. They have lost now to Boise State, 
and they almost lost to what Louisiana Monroe. Yep. I mean that is just a travesty. Well, and they were supposed to be one of the top half um, in the ACC Atlantic. I think the team that has shown they that say we'll say Clemson obviously has played the best, but the team that's shown right now through two games they're probably the second best is Wake Forest. Wake Forest hasn't done anything I, to make us I, think that I, I they disagree. beat a good Utah State team. I disagree. They beat a very talented Utah State team and then took care of business at home against Rice, who, okay, we're not going to act like Rice is a world beater, but they beat they beat Utah State. Their offense is incredible. Jamie Newman, I mean, we saw what Jamie Newman did to NC State last year, especially in the fourth quarter. But they, they haven't done anything to make them to make it seem like they're not as good as NC State and Boston College. Boston College beat Virginia Tech. No, sir. If anything, Boston College has no, the sir. best resume of any non-Clemson team in the ACC Atlantic. I, I don't think the ACC Atlantic is bad as much as it is filled with teams that are good, not great. I think if you look at the team, I'm looking at it right now, Boston College is going to get into a bowl game. Clemson's probably the best team or second best team in the country. Syracuse is going to get into a bowl. NC State's going to get a bowl game. Wake Forest is going to get a bowl game. Louisville looked good against Notre Dame for about three quarters until finally the talent discrepancy just wore itself out. What did they do this past week? Does anybody know what Louisville played? Uh, yeah, they won. They beat Eastern Kentucky, shut them out, but okay. um, I'm not going to look too much into that. Yeah. And they play, what, Western Kentucky this week, I think? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> just take, doing King, the tour. Kentucky, yeah, the whole, the whole tour. But I, I think the ACC Atlantic is filled with good teams, but the problem is none of them are on Clemson's level. So you'll see each week, oh, Clemson beat what's supposed to be the second best team in the ACC Atlantic by 20. But it's like, that's more a referendum on how good Clemson is than how bad the ACC Atlantic is. If we want to talk about bad, let's look at the ACC Coastal. That's not a conversation <laughs> for now, though. But that's a bad division. Okay, I'll quickly point out, you know, if you say the ACC Atlantic is full of good, not great teams, that's exactly what state is. State might just be the best good, not great team that the ACC Atlantic has. I mean, you say Wake Forest beat Utah State. They were at home, and they barely won that game. Against a good Utah they State barely, team. Utah, Utah State is State, good. Utah State, they're good. They're also not ranked. Like, Are they better than ECU? Most definitely. Western Carolina? Most definitely. So what is Wake Forest I want to see, not done? I want to see a level of dominance. Even that Rice game, I mean, 41-21, I want to see a level of dominance, man. Against those small teams, I want to see dominance. That's fair. You know, I like Boston College, and I like that they beat Virginia Tech. I also think nobody fears Boston College. I mean, you know exactly what you're getting when you play them, and it's A.J. Dillon, A.J. Dillon. Guess what State does? Rush defense. That's their number one thing. Boston College came within three points of beating NC State last year without A.J. Dillon. Okay. Without this, one of the best running backs in the this country. This is a different State squad, though. This is a better defense, right? This is a better but what defense. what are we basing that against we, about when they beat two high schools in weeks <laughs> one and week two? I mean, An ECU team with a quarterback who cannot throw a football. That's true. I, but they did their job, right? I think right? we're looking a little bit too far I don't think you I can say I one of Boston College. I can't blame NC State for doing their job no, against the teams exactly. that they're put up against. I'm also not going to say that Boston College is better than NC State just because they beat a Virginia Tech team who is reeling. I mean, they've been hemorrhaging players. They have, what, eight, nine, ten players in the transfer portal? I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say that Boston College isn't good. I just don't think that any other team other than Clemson is better than State in the Atlantic. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, come the end will. of October and beginning of November, oh, they yeah. play one thing for sure is that we're going to find out. We're going to find play out. Each other. And I will point out now that 
I've been looking at that game for a while. It's a game the state might lose. Which even one? Though Boston they're College or Wake Forest? At Boston College. At Boston, I think yeah. they beat Wake Forest this year just because Dave hates to lose to an inferior team multiple times. Mm-hmm. We saw that last year with ECU. I think he's going to blow Wake Forest out this year. Boston College, I think that's a loss. It's interesting that we'll that Mr. Jalen over here is saying we are better than Boston College and ready to predict a loss to Boston College. Yeah, no, I think I think – when you think about NC State football, you know, huh. NC State is going to win games they shouldn't win, right? Clemson. Um, well, <laughs> you, you still think they're going to There's nothing to make gonna, us gonna believe say, that will happen. I'm going to say on that prediction. But they're also going to lose games they shouldn't lose. And one big thing to factor in is just, you know, when they play a team and where they play the team. Going to Boston College, I mean, I could see them lose that game, even though they should. And that's just going to happen in college football. All right, well, we're going to find out because we all play each other. So, Jalen, real quick, I want to give you a chance to, you know, talk about any of your hot takes for this week because, you know, you, we know you love them. You called the the shutout last week. So, <laughs> do you really think that – is there any, like, you know, hot takes for West Virginia? Um, I say – I think – I think Matt McKay rebounds this week, and I'll give him – Three touchdowns. I think Matt passes for three touchdowns. And I think, you know, he has a really good game because he's got all the tools that NC State needs him to have. You know, he has the arm strength to throw deep. He just needs to kind of calm down, be willing to take the hit, and just put it on a dime. You know, and I think that's going to come with time, and we may see it on Saturday. Well, they're, they're, you're 2-0 so far in, in your hot takes. Uh, do you think we'll – uh, NC State gives up a touchdown, both of you guys. Most definitely. Absolutely. At least one. Yeah. You think it breaks I'm, this week? I'm seeing something. I, my, my guess for a score is maybe somewhere around 37 20, 37 21, around there. I, I okay. think a good two to three possession win. I think they keep them under 15 points. All right. All right. Well, uh, like we do at the end of the last podcast, I do want to talk about some commentaries that were written on Technician Online. Um, so. First, we're going to start with Jake's because, Jake, you wrote about the noon games and you were arguing that it's bad for fans, but it's good for players. Do you want to highlight a little bit about what you talked about? Yeah, so basically, when when I say good for players, I mean more it's worked out well for the players. So NC State fans, it, it's a very common thing. Like, oh, why do we have to play noon games all the time? Noon games suck, so forth. As a fan, noon games do suck. Like they're, they're, The only good thing about noon games is you're home in time to watch later college football games, or if we're talking about strictly attending a game, the noon games are the worst. But in their last 15 games, in its last 15 games, NC State's 15-0. and 0. And if you're a fan of a team, you're most likely going to the game to see that team win. So for me personally, I don't mind braving the 80, 90 degree heat if it means I get to watch my team win. And now, which I mentioned, I touched upon in my commentary, is NC State definitely gets dealt a disproportionate amount of noon games. I mean, 29 of the last 48 games, regular season games, have been noon games, which is one over twice as many as Wake Forest has had, and 12 more than UNC has had, which, I mean, those are two directly comparable schools to good, not great football programs, um, especially over the last few years. UNC's been pretty bad, and it just, it it's obviously a TV scheduling thing. Like, it, the ACC makes its schedules based on TV slots, which is fair. But my point basically is complain about the noon kickoff if you want, but at the end of the day, you're most likely going to a game to see the team win, and I think you'd rather see your team win 
then be able to pick your preferred time slot. We get seven o'clock for Ball State. We do. So we might lose that one then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel yeah. about it, but we show, that'll be interesting at least. It reminds this reminds me of uh, Scott Van Pelt. You guys watch Scott Van Pelt? Okay. The late night, like how he ends the episode. It's like his uh, what's it? What does he call it? Uh, one something thing. Yeah, one big thing. One big thing. Yeah, that reminds me of what Jake just did. Anyways, uh, that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you guys for listening and. Uh, we're going to have be recording right after this, actually. We're going to be recording a Wolfpack Wager. So if you're interested at all in some sports betting, definitely give that a listen. That'll be tweeted out at Tech Sports and also on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. So uh, keep an eye out for that and for next week's podcast. But I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I'm um, Assistant Sports Editor Jake Hakavara. And I'm Video Editor Jalen Harrington. And we'll see you guys next week.